Well, Sherry already revealed it, but one of the deepest truths of Scripture is one of the simplest. It's woven throughout the Old and the New Testament, spoken by Jesus, reinforced by Paul. It's the simple truth that the wise obey God and the foolish do not listen. Simply put. Thank you, Sherry. Our text this morning is Titus 3, 3 through 8. Towards the very end of your Bible, I encourage you to find it. Follow along, Titus 3, 3 through 8. I'll read our text for today. Paul writes, At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want to stress I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. The wise obey, the foolish do not listen. Paul says at one time you too were foolish. There's a classic story of the husband and the wife And the husband goes to the doctor for his annual checkup and gets checked out. But he says, I don't think, doctor, I don't think my wife is hearing like she used to. So he says, what do I do? So the doctor gave him a plan. The man goes home, sees his wife. She happens to be putting things away in the kitchen. He stands two rooms away and calls out, honey, what are we having for dinner? Doesn't hear a thing. Goes a one room away, honey, what are we having for dinner tonight? Says it a little louder, still hears nothing, finally gets right behind her. Honey, what are we having for dinner? She says, for the third time, we're having pork chops. (laughs) The wise obey God, the foolish do not listen. The wise listen and they obey and they are devoted for good two reasons we can conclude they're devoted for good or what that means i should say they're devoted for good because god is good god's not like goodness god is good the very definition of it and anybody who is devoted to good as paul tells us we are supposed to be is going to be devoted to god they are wise and if they're devoting themselves to god in wisdom they're devoting themselves for good for the rest of their lives and beyond into eternal life they're heirs to something bigger Paul says. Well, let's start back at verse 3 where Paul was was starting this train of thought. He says, at one time we too were foolish. Why would somebody who's foolish persist in their selective hearing? A couple of things we could conclude. One, and we can get it from what Paul says here. One, the fool is not able to hear. That could be a real possibility. The ambient noise of culture blocks the ears of someone and they are foolish. They they walk into folly. Paul says they're disobedient. At one time we were, he says, deceived, enslaved to sin, to the latest fad, to whatever could enslave you. 
to take you away from God. To passions and pleasures. Pleasures, that word in, that's, that's behind that is the word that we get hedonism from. Everything that you want to do that just brings you pure pleasure, but at the, at the expense of everything else and everyone else. So we can conclude from this that the fool is not able to hear because there are all kinds of reasons, but often it's just the ambient noise. Like when you go out to see the stars at night, if you're in the city, it's harder. If you're in the country, you see a lot more. Same thing with our culture around us. Our culture might tell us one thing, and we hear that and take it in all too easily. And we can be deceived, disobedient, enslaved. Our culture tells us as a for instance of how we can hear the ambient noise that if two people are in love, just move in together and go for it. Start cohabiting. That works. But of course, statistically, we know it fails more often than not and causes a lot more pain. And it's not God's plan. Right? It appears to bring happiness at first, passion and pleasure, but it's a failing proposition. But the ambient noise of culture blinds us to that reality. How about the idea of how we define tolerance in our culture? Poorly is how we define it, but classically it's a virtue, but we define it very poorly so that we say anything and everything is a great idea. It's equally valid. But to paraphrase the late Ravi Zacharias, he says that's all well and good until you realize that in some parts of the world people love their neighbor and other parts they eat their neighbor. And those don't necessarily coexist well. The fool is not able to hear. How about the other reason? The fool refuses to hear. As Proverbs tells us in verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 15, the way of fools seems right to them. But the wise listen to advice. Paul goes on to add a couple more things to his list. He says uh, that malice, envy, hatred, those are the ways of foolishness as well. And people who hate and, and are hated by others, right? Haters going to hate. He came up with it before Taylor Swift. That's Paul. And we can see how that could work, that, that fools refuse to listen as we dig into sin, for instance. Somebody who steals might feel the twinge of guilt at first, but eventually they can justify it over time if they continue to do it and say, well, I really deserve it, or this is really the only way I have to live, or this is better than doing other things, or those people had too much stuff anyways, or whatever. They refuse to listen. Or how some people try and create their own religion, I encounter this regularly and piece together the best of all there is out there, supposedly, and put it together, but it doesn't work. They refuse to hear, thinking that their way is the wise way when it's foolish. And even believers can fall into this trap because listen to the language Paul uses. At one time, we were foolish, church. He's writing to the church in Crete. At one time, we were foolish, and sometimes we still can be. We'll hold grudges. Or they become passive-aggressive so we can look nice and hold the grudges. Or we ignore sin in order to not offend others within the body. At one time, we were foolish, and fools do not listen. That's the distinction. The wise obey. But Paul gives us good news in all of this, and, and let me quote the late Eugene Peterson so we understand what Paul is saying and can transition to that. Peterson said, it's not difficult 
in our world to get a person interested in the message of the gospel. It is terrifically difficult to sustain the interest. There's a great market for religious experience in our world. There's a little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. Little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier Christians called holiness. If we go to verse 5, we start to hear the good news. Paul said, at one time, you were foolish. At one time, you did this, my fellow Cretans. But in verse 5, he says, he saved us. Anyone hearing some good news there this morning? He saved us. The wise obey God and hear that truth for what it is. He saved us. And let's hear just, let's rattle off the good news that Paul writes in here. Paul says, God didn't condemn us while we were fooling around. It's because of his mercy he saved us. So while we were foolish, what was God up to? Giving us salvation if we would only take it. God offers for all to be made clean through Jesus. Everybody gets that opportunity. Now, not all are going to take it, put a pin in that, but God made an opportunity for everybody to be made right through Jesus Christ. God's salvation is rebirth from sin-filled to spirit-full. And there's a big difference between those two, and it's achieved by the Holy Spirit, signified by things through baptism and greater connection and participation in the Holy Spirit people, the church. And Paul also says, by way of good news here, that being reborn, regenerated, made new through the Holy Spirit, by doing that, it means, and hear this clearly, we trust God. He says it. He says, we trust God to remake us, and we're going to act differently because there's a new character inside of us being made new. In verse 8, Paul kind of clarifies what this means. He says, this is a trustworthy saying. And, and by the way, what he's saying, a lot of what he said in the couple of verses before this is kind of prepackaged stuff that was going around within the, the early church in one way or another. This is a trustworthy saying, he says, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Right? There's an outward action when the Spirit gets at work inside of us and begins to transform us. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But they're only excellent and profitable if we redeem them, if we take hold of the promise given. You know, in, in our family, we're, uh, we have been with Sprint for our cell phone for years and years, and we just never switched, and now we're with T-Mobile because they merged. So we're new customers for a different company. But every Tuesday, we get this little, and I'm not advertising for T-Mobile right now, but every Tuesday, we get this little uh, thing on our app that says, hey, here's like four or five deals you can take. Some of them are great. Some of them are not useful. I've gotten a couple free Whoppers out of the deal. I'll take it, right? There's donuts and things like that that are on there. So this, these are good deals often. But they're only good if you actually press the little button that says redeem. Otherwise, it's just a real nice thing that came to my app that I did nothing with, right? I have to press the button. I have to say yes to what's there. It's the same with being renewed and regenerated through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only good if we redeem the offer. The idea of universalism, that everybody's going to be saved, is still continues and persists throughout the church, that everybody's going to be saved just because they exist, but that's not what Scripture tells us. 
It tells us all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. It tells us that something needs to be remade and regenerated that only starts with the work of Jesus Christ and continues through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's only useful to a person if they redeem the offer. Because the idea of universalism, that everybody would be saved just by existence, discounts the weight of sin and it, disval- and it devalues God's goodness. It says God's really not that good and sin's really not that bad, but those are both untruths. God really is that good and sin really is that bad, and we really need redemption and transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask some questions, three questions as you consider if you follow the path of wisdom or the path of folly. And the first is, uh, they're all about if you're wise, questions for the wise. The first is this, God is merciful by nature. That's his character. God is mercy. And those who are wise are being transformed to be merciful. So here's the question that comes with that. Even if it takes a second to get there, is mercy something you show to others? Simple enough. Is mercy something you show to others? You see, fools show a foolish, fake mercy. We need to make the distinction. They either can't show it truly because they're enslaved to sin and, and they're stuck and that, that's all that they're thinking about. They won't show it because they're either hating others or they're selfish, as Paul tells us. Those are things that can happen. Or they show a false version of mercy, which is to get, not to give. So it can look like mercy, but do, do you have real mercy that's not for your own benefit but for the others? You know, uh, uh, somebody who's foolish will show mercy in, in the same way that um, folks that I've worked with over the past few years who are giving up drinking or drugs or something like that have, have pointed out, like, when the drugs stopped or when the drinking stopped, my friends dried up at the same time because they weren't real friends. Same thing here. Uh, do you give mercy even though you're not going to get anything out of it because it's your character? That's the question. Paul tells us God is merciful, and if you have the Spirit of God working and transforming you, you will exemplify that characteristic more and more. Second, God is generous by nature, and you can see that in the text. He's generous. He gave us Jesus Christ is where his generosity is most exemplified, Paul tells us. God is generous by nature, and those who are wise increase in generosity. Now hear me say this, I'm not talking specifically about money, but I'm also not not talking about money. It's everything. Do you have an increasingly generous character? Are you increasing in how you respond to others with generosity? Both that could be mercy and that could be other things as well. But you see, God chose to create you. That's remarkable and praiseworthy in and of itself. God chose to create you. God chose to send his son to die for you. And God chooses to pursue you even now. Not because we as humans were already wise. Paul told us we were fools. That's when Jesus was dying was when we were foolish. Not because we were wise, but because God is generous. That's why God did it. God's merciful. God's generous. God's loving. And God does not offer his Holy Spirit for renewal because he feels bad for you. It's because he already loves you. God is generous by nature. Is that generosity coming out of you? 
Third, and the final question, I'm going to invite the band forward as I ask this one. You see, God created, created a good world that's now broken by sin. And God is good by nature. And those who are wise live a life devoted to good. So the question is, is God's, do you see God's good news revealed in your character and actions with increasing frequency? Do people look at you and say, there's something good there, there's good news there, there's something that emanates from them, even if they can't pinpoint it, that they see something deeper than what's on the surface and potentially see the Holy Spirit at work and the power of Jesus Christ at work in you? The wise make timely decisions. The wise don't fool around with these things. God offers, the wise respond with obedience. Paul said, at one time, we too were foolish. Let us never forget that. At one time, we were foolish. The question Paul's asking is, what are you today? See, the wise obey God. The foolish do not listen. Let's pray together. Lord, may we be wise. May we be timely in our, our decisions. May we not give in to the passions and pleasures, to malice, to anger, to envy, to strife, to dis deceit and disobedience. May we see you and see you clearly and become more like your son, Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Some of us have not chosen that. Some of us have misused that. Some of us have done it wisely. Lord, help us all be in the wise category. Help us all choose the power of your spirit working through us. And Lord, if anybody's watching or listening today or in coming days, may we hear the call of your spirit to come home. Be transformed. Amen, Lord. Amen.